niche down to scale up. So why am I able to invest $20,000 a month in infrastructure to create all this content? It's because I niche down. So if you're like, I just want to scale, I want to grow this massive company. Cool. Be humble and niche down first. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Eight Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon-to-be successful entrepreneur help you build an eight-figure agency by documenting our successes and our failures. Yeah, man, I'm really, really excited today about this episode. It's two things that I got going on. One is really, really bad, which I'll tell you about in a minute, and and I need, I kind of need help on it. And then the second one is exciting but super scary. So we're getting ready to do an in-person event in December. Um, and I've never done an in-person event. So I want you to kind of, as an entrepreneur, kind of work through in your head, like what goes into an in-person event and <laughs> the hotel blocks and the, and the presentations and the flow of the meeting and the atmosphere and the, the content that you're going to be presenting and, and, and marketing it and then getting people there. And here's the scary part. You have to buy everything in advance and then hope that people come. You have to commit to the hotel. So I'm working through all of that right now, and it's it's definitely, this is my 2022 pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. I don't know, every year I try to push myself way outside of my comfort zone and and then look back and go, okay, cool, that I did something hard. I don't know how I'm going to top this next year. Uh, maybe it's by doing a wow. bigger event or doing more of them, but this one's really pushing me outside of my zone. What about us pushing yourself much out of your zone? Is it you just have no idea what you're doing? Or yeah, no, like, no clue. Like you don't. So it's like, like build a rocket. It's like, okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it, you know, at least I'm doing a topic that I'm familiar with. So like in my head, it's like, cool. I know the subject matter. So that's a huge plus, but I don't know how to put the, the event together. So I'm bringing in people to help with that, but I still don't, I know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to show up and I'm going to go, Oh, we don't have this. We don't have this. We don't have this. We don't have this. We don't have this because I didn't know to anticipate that. Even though I've been going to events recently and paying much more attention, I just don't know. So I'm really going into it with the mindset of I'm going to do this. I'm going to launch it. And then we're going to just make it better every year. The main goal of it is to help our clients. So our clients have a lot of marketing managers and they don't have any formal training in the dental industry. There's like nothing. You can go get marketing training, but nothing dental specific. And so this is to help, and a lot of them are clinicians. So they're hygienists or dental assistants or even dentists that are managing their marketing. And it's very frustrating, even when you work with vendors like us, to participate in the relationship with us or to participate in the relationship with the leadership. So this whole event is going to be around that to help our clients. But then there's also going to be non-clients there. And then afterwards, we're going to start a mastermind for just dental marketing managers. That's huge. I don't know if people caught that or not, but Gary basically described a niche within a niche within a niche, which is awesome because ironically enough today, that's what we're going to be talking about. The value and the power in niching down and niching down your services, you know, and uh, we're going to talk about that, you know, in today's episode. Before we get into all that, I do want to say my biggest takeaway from that, Gary, is the mindset. I mean, the fact that you're just getting started with this, the fact that, you know, you don't know what you're doing, that's the exciting part. You're going to learn as you go, which that's, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't do that kind of thing. With your experience, you know how to do that. Uh, I guess, what else do we got going on, Gary? Is there anything else exciting on your end that you'd like to share with the audience today before we get into this whole niche thing? Yeah. So something, so something I've been struggling with. So right now, we're, we, I've learned how to create volumes of content. That's that's that was really hard. 
So first I started and I'm just like, let me just see if I can grow a following. And I was able to, right? But that was with me managing everything and every little detail. Then I said, okay, now I know I can get a video to have hundreds of thousands of views on it. I know how to do that. Now let's see if I can scale content to get five, 10, 15 posts a day across multiple different platforms, having four or five videos a day, short, short videos um, posted a day across all the platforms. I'm gonna need a team to help me with that. And I'm gonna need editors and you know podcasts and all these different things because there's so much content. So I, and that took me, I thought I would be easy and I underestimated it. And so I had to bring in experts like you and other, other people that we work with on our team. We're spending about $20,000 a month right now on just labor and contractors to build out the, the content. And that's great. And we're getting a lot of impressions and things, but in some areas it's struggling. Instagram is struggling insanely. And I know Instagram Reels, as you mentioned before we hop on this call, and I also read it before we talked, Instagram's down huge in, in watch time. And, but it's, it's like, I can't even get 200 views, like 200 views every single time on a, on a reel. And yes, I'm creating more, you know, I've created a lot more content, but the views is way, way down. So I'm trying to figure that out. And you had some advice for me, which I thought was good. Yeah. As someone who's very involved in the day-to-day process for all of your content, the biggest thing, and I've actually shared this with your team literally yesterday, uh, I have noticed that your content is extremely diluted in terms of one day it's about dental, one day it's about business, the next day it's about specifically agencies. The problem with doing that is the platform has no idea who to serve your content to, right? Mm-hmm. So if you remember when you first started your TikTok, you were specifically reaching me. And yeah, guess what? People. You, you, you literally reached me and we were able to, you know, you built out the mastermind. Now you have agency growth engine. What happened recently, and again, I've been bringing this up, is that, you know, one day there'll be a dental marketing clip, then there's going to be a clip about, you know, your personal struggles, and there's going to be a clip from this show, and then there's going to be a clip from Agency Growth Engine. And if you don't know what those are, definitely go check them out. They're all linked into the description. Um, But yeah, my advice along that, Gary, would be to really iron out a schedule based on your specific goals with your personal content. Because I'm assuming you mean your personal reach across Instagram, or do you mean across all of Instagram? Yeah, no, 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 Just, just on my personal. Yeah, on, on your personal, that that's what I've seen. And I'm honestly with your TikTok as well. If you notice your TikTok, I think has a similar thing with it where the reach mm-hmm. has significantly gone down. That well, has that been one, my that one I understand why because I I totally changed the style of content. Huge. I, a lot of the same topics, but just in the style that I deliver it. Yeah. That's actually starting to come back up again. Yep. I, I, I expected that, right? But Instagram was kind of a clean slate. So then which so which one should I I love so here's the thing. I love talking about the business stuff. That's what I'm most passionate about. I um, want to talk about dental because it's the most lucrative and mm, mm. and marketing is naturally what I do. So if I was going to put them in a pecking order, I'd put them in that order. So, but how do I, how do I, do, how do I have my cake and eat it too? Help me out here. Yeah, I can make this really simple for you. So what I would do is a couple different things. A, I would focus one specific type of content for the Instagram feed, right? So I would say, okay, Business is my thing. So, you know, eight fig, agency growth engine. This is like what my lifeblood. I love doing this and I want to help and grow this as my personal brand. All content on your main feed, whether it's a photo, a reel, uh, or anything along those lines, is about that kind of thing. 
for your dental marketing stuff, you don't want to eliminate that completely because at the end of the day, you're the CEO of SMC. It's a dental marketing company for groups, right? Um, so in your in your bio, you you could basically play at this, like something along the lines of, uh, you know, the business thing and then something in there as well as about who you do, like who you are. I'm Gary. I founded SMC National Link there. What you then do is use your Instagram stories, right, as a place where you can put more stuff about dental marketing, right? So that way, Instagram knows to feed your content to people like me and people listening to this show because that's what you're trying to build your brand around, right? But you can still leverage the dental marketing stuff because in your IG stories, every time a new DMT episode drops, right? For those who don't know, Dental Marketing Theory, Gary's podcast, check it out, link below. Uh, you put up a, a link to go listen. Hey, for those of you who follow me who are into dental, check out the new episode, right? That's number one. Number two, Gary, um, you know, to keep it short, is if you're familiar, you can highlight certain things on your Instagram page. So when you post a story, you can highlight it. I would create these highlights to be on brand for you and create different sections. So a story highlight around business and then include in there a story highlight about dental. Interested in learning more about dental? Click here. It takes them through a funnel of the Instagram stories that leads them to another page where there is more content on dental, which would be SMC, that type of thing. And then there's a lot more content from DMT on there. What's your reaction to that? You think that that's a viable solution or not so much? I think so for Instagram. So my brain's interestingly, so I'm like, okay, let's assume all that's true and that I execute on that. I could execute on that very, fairly easily. Now, what about like LinkedIn? Because <laughs> LinkedIn, I'm doing Great pretty question. well. And I think LinkedIn is a little bit of, I don't really focus much on the, I mean, I post some of the agency stuff, but it's not as not as much, but I can I could understand how that could cause confusion for people. Um, so LinkedIn, what do you think there? Same thing, same strategy? Well, I mean, I'll be completely transparent. I am by no means do I have any expertise in LinkedIn besides personally using it. So I really don't have any idea. All I know is, you know, what keeps people's attention when it comes to videos, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. for you from following you on LinkedIn, from what I've seen, the majority of people following you are all in the dental space. And LinkedIn mm -hmm. in and of itself is, is a platform where people are literally there for business reasons. Like when yeah. they're there, they're not there to play games. A lot of people are looking for jobs and new opportunities mm -hmm. and to connect with their network. I think yeah. that's another big reason why your content does really well. It's exactly. also a ton of B2B. It's a ton of exactly. people who own businesses that want to connect with other businesses. It's, it's all it is. That's literally, that, that's literally the whole point of LinkedIn. And actually, real quick on that, I've noticed Twitter come up a lot in this space as well. I've actually, you know, Dino, who's in the mastermind, introduced me to me. He's like, dude, you got to get on Twitter. Shout out Dino. I've gotten on Twitter. It's been huge for me so far and for my company. It's uh, instrumental. But what, what are you thinking? Are you thinking that you have to change up your LinkedIn strategy? Are you satisfied with it? Do you want to see more from it? Well, no, I'm actually doing pretty good. I get about 18, right? I just looked at it right now. I have 18,000 impressions a week. Mm -hmm. um, but those are super targeted impressions, right? So those are yeah. like they're not just random people out there on, it's not like TikTok where TikTok will just be so stupid random sometimes, uh, and who it serves stuff to. Um, so it, so it's, um, it's, it's a very targeted uh, group there. So I, I, I think, I think, I think Instagram would just be the place that I would change it. Yeah, I mean, real quick, before we go anywhere else, uh, just on this note, and I think this can provide a lot of value to people, uh, this is a little bit of an of a interesting hack that I've seen people use on Instagram all the time. They little, I think like six months ago, they released a collaboration feature, and you're familiar, you guys do this with mm -hmm. your content, yep. where you can collaborate with somebody on a post. For you, that's huge. Again, number one, I think for your pages across all socials, Maybe except LinkedIn, you got to pick something, whether it's really focused on dental specifically or business stuff, eliminate everything else, 
in the capacity similar to what I described, so the p- platforms know who to serve your content to, and it basically let us take care of the rest. Because we'll just make that happen for you. We, you know, we'll we'll get that done. But um, that's really going to help you in terms of ironing it out. Then what you could do is you could collaborate with the guests that come onto your shows to help you boost your personal profile. What I mean by that is when you post a clip that has a very high profile guest request a collaboration on Instagram with them so that that post goes to their followers as well, right? Leveraging that. And then it reaches even more people who you want to be reaching. Love it. That's really good. I'm going to do all that stuff. You said you told my team already about that? I literally spoke to your team, Taylor, specifically yesterday. Awesome. Okay, cool. Okay, (laughs) cool. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to start doing that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with everything. I just want to make things better. You know what I mean? So that's always, what, I'm, always. what I'm trying to work with Taylor on is like, cool, we got the volume. How do we make this 1% better every single day? So I, I, I have a lot more that I shared with your team yesterday. I'm happy to share this with you. I don't know if today, right yeah, now. Yeah, do it. Share other. it. I think it's valuable to people. I think people are going to hear this and be like, man, I, I need to, because people need to figure this out too, right? So I got my dental marketing agency. I got my personal brand. Plus I have agency growth engine, which is just helping agency owners, which I don't really monetize. So I need to kind of, I got to figure this out before it was just like, I need to do all this stuff. So I have content. Now I have all the content. Now what do I do? Yeah. I mean, going too far into it, I'm not sure how valuable it would be to specific people because this is super niche to you, but to keep it valuable to them still, right? Yeah. Yeah. When, when, if you're in, in a position where you have a lot of content you're putting out there, the number one important thing is to break it down like this. Who are you trying to reach? Why are you trying to reach them? And and that's basically it, right? Everything else doesn't really matter. In fact, I actually got off a call today with Andre, who's in the mastermind as well. Uh, and uh, with him, we were discussing from his show in terms of production value. This this kind of comes into it. A lot of people, they don't even start making content because they think I don't have the best camera. Uh, you know, I don't have this. And actually, episode 11 of Agency Growth Engine, Deep Social Brands, Gary spoke about this with them. And they brought up this point as well. Uh, so I got all this stored in my head, right? It's crazy. But um, when it comes to creating content, Gary, you have to get really clear on who you're trying to reach, which I think you are. Problem is you're trying to reach too many different types of people, and a lot of people are guilty of this, on the same yeah. accounts. Yeah, right? On well, the no, same I accounts. was just – yeah, no, totally. I was just like, yeah. I'm just going to create content. I don't, can I create enough content and build a team? And you, you did it. You did yeah, it. Yeah, I did it. Now you it's like, it. okay, cool. Now how do I dial it back in exactly. to make it effective for what I want? Exactly. Exactly. Step one, pick exactly who you want to reach. Step two, we got to leverage or not leverage, sorry, but look into what content you're actually putting out there and what the value is in that content. A lot of the content that you've been putting out there, because I'm a big fan of what you have to say often, right? Especially in terms of the business stuff. I have to always ask, like, what am I getting out of this, right? It's a very yeah. selfish thing. It's a very selfish yeah, yeah, exchange. Because yeah. you Oftentimes, might be getting like dental marketing tips or something. Exactly, exactly. And that's yeah. not even what, that's not even the point here because that, that's number one, point number one. Point number two is oftentimes like what is the value I'm getting out of the graphic and is the graphic attention grabbing enough, right? So like I can point to a few different graphics you've been posting on Instagram where they look decent, but I think a much simpler and better job can be done and probably save you a significant amount of money every single month that's going to still be even more effective. Because when I see, for totally example, agree. an agency growth engine, graphic right in all honesty i think we could get you a graphic designer who could do a way way better job but by simplifying it like yeah. really simplifying it yep. to really to grab attention right i think you know exactly what i mean point with that to provide value to you guys listening the content you got to put out there doesn't have to be expensive it has to be attention grabbing a picture of you at the beach can grab attention better than a fancy design graphic that you pull from canva right um what are your thoughts around that no i totally agree it's something i've been working on i actually see a transition happening in social where it's like now people are just using graphics with like four words on them and one color in the background because what happens is is like and, and this happened early on in the web development early on in web development there was just massive graphic remember i don't know if you're old enough to remember myspace myspace when it first came out 
there was like glitter dropping off the screens. You could put anything. You, you Everybody had a song that auto-played when you visited their page. It had like all these dancing leprechauns on it. And you could add all these crazy things. And that was so cool for a while, right? Everybody was like, whoa. Because it was like this new thing you could do on the web that you couldn't do before. There was no way to do it. But then my, Facebook came out. And Facebook was simple compared to MySpace. Then what happened? Instagram came out and it was like, oh, Facebook's kind of cluttered, <laughs> right? Like, feels like a, it feels like a, uh, uh, like a, like a job board or something like that. And then uh, TikTok came out, which even simplified it even more, cleaned it up even more. Um, and then there's these ebbs and flows, right? Like where people overproduce content for a while there. It was overproduced video content. Then it went simpler video content. I even see this in graphic design where now with cell phones, I can get rid of the background just by holding down a person with the new iOS update. Have you seen that? If yeah. I hold down you, it cuts out your whole background. Well, Crazy. you used to have to have Photoshop <laughs> and know how to use it. And like, now I can do it with my thumb. Like very Crazy. soon, you won't need graphic designers. You won't need any of that kind of stuff. And it's simple is always harder. That's one thing that I know is that simplistic attention grabbing things. That's always the hardest thing to do. I showed this on the mastermind the other day, actually. Um, Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. Yeah. Keep Kiss, it yeah. simple, stupid. Uh, I think, I don't know where, maybe you shared that with me initially when we first started the show. I can't remember, but uh, shared that with a lot of people. You know, oftentimes I grew up, my parents always taught me less is more. Anytime I was in a, in a negotiation or had to speak to, about it, to anybody about anything, less is more. Uh, the same thing applies to social. Oftentimes people try to do so much that they're not doing the right thing. Like you, you should instead do, now again, don't get me wrong, especially when you're first starting. Like this is how I got here. I put out so much content that was so low quality and so bad that I was able to learn what didn't work. Like yeah. literally for like four years, I just put out so much <laughs> stuff, but it sucked. None of it got any views. All it was garbage. Took me a lot of time. Cost me a lot of money. For me, a lot of money probably cost me, uh, you know, in equipment that I purchased over the years, you know, five to 10 grand. And for me, who at the time, that was a lot of money, like a lot, <laughs> making $200 a week, 10 grand is a lot of money. But um, yeah, for anybody trying to go content, you go through a cycle. You'll start by putting out a lot of content. And I recommend doing that, right? Because you did it, right? And now you have that hindsight to see, okay, now I have to iron this out a little bit more, do whatever is working, right? You know, not a lot of people are like Alex Ramosi who have, you know, 50 grand a month to invest into this off the start and put the best people into the, into the spot, right? To yep. handle everything for them. To, to avoid this from happening. You have to go through it. Well, not only what that, the, but he if you go back and look, he started content he creation start, a long time ago and it didn't exactly. get any traction at the beginning. Exactly. It took, he took years. It took years to build what he had. We just see the explosion now. Exactly. And nobody likes to talk about He actually just released a podcast episode on this, I think about a week ago, where he's like, I've been doing podcasts for over five years. He started a podcast about helping gyms grow. Now he's got a top five business podcast, I believe either on Spotify or in the world, yep. right? But he didn't start that way. People don't like to talk about that. Yeah. One of the note, Gary, I think it's going to help a lot of people listening. Well, I mean, might as well keep riffing on this. I think this is going to be really valuable for people. People follow people, not businesses. Yeah, so 100%. oftentimes, I have a lot of people that will call me, right, who will be like, I want to grow my following and they'll be a business. We'll partner. Nothing will grow from it. And then we'll part ways and nobody knows really except us why that happened. And we try to explain, but nobody really cares. They only see we spent this much. We got nothing. Why? We hate you. Bye. Right. But a lot of people don't realizes, again, people follow business, people, not businesses. So whenever a business makes content, and this is why you know this with SMC, probably why you have such a heavy push on podcasting. 
When people follow SMC, you don't want them following SMC because you think they're going to be looking at the marketing graphic you post on a Tuesday afternoon because 90% of people aren't going to be looking at that. But what they will be looking at is remembering that SMC runs the Dental Marketing Theory podcast, which is ran by Gary Bird, who is their CEO. And I saw a video the other day of Gary Bird talking about the exact problem I was facing in my DSO. For those of you who don't know, that stands for Dental Service Organization. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. Am I correct? I'm learning all these dental terms, right? It's crazy. But um, yeah, exact problem I'm having in my DSO and that resonates with them. Uh, and then they follow you, right? So to anybody listening, how you leverage that is you realize you probably won't get a lot of people following your agency's Instagram page. But, and I'm not saying necessarily start a podcast, that's not for everyone, but starting some sort of content strategy centered yeah. around a person. Actually, just as an example, for those of you who are on TikTok, if you guys ever heard of Stan. So Stan uh, is a platform that I don't remember his name. I think his name was Jay. He's a creator on TikTok who started documenting his process of starting a startup. The startup he was starting was called Stan. So he literally documented the entire process. Stan is basically like a link in bio for influencers where they can set up a store, like a Shopify store, but way simpler in their link in bio, combining Shopify and Linktree. And it's taken off. Why? Because the founder documented the entire process, built his network with his ideal clients, sent one text message, was able to get all of those clients because they're all his friends, solved the real problem, solved the real need. But he was able to gain followers not for his business, but for his people. He did an even brilliant move, an even more brilliant move. He hired this lady. I don't know her name either, but she runs the entire Stan TikTok page. It's one person, this, this one lady. The entire page is ran by her. People follow that not for Stan, but for the tips that she shares. They turned the company into a personal brand for her. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's really smart. I'm struggling though, man. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so the Gary Bird Instagram, so my personal Instagram, you're saying do all only business stuff on there? No dental marketing stuff on there, right? Well, that's your call, right? I would say pick one. Which one do you really want to be known for? Gary the dental guy on Instagram? Or do you want to be known as Gary the guy that helps businesses grow who also does dental on the side, right? Or vice versa. You see what I'm saying with that? We can play it either way, but the bulk of your content has to be to one specific person, and then I can work with your team to remix it to you know make it yeah, actually make it there. more about that. And exactly. then what about LinkedIn? You're thinking LinkedIn make it all about dental marketing? Uh LinkedIn, so far, whatever you're doing is working. Keep doing what you're working. That's okay. My so to keep the mix going, like, yeah, I, w- I would say until you know why fix something that's not broken, right? Okay, yeah, okay, cool. That's easy then. Business help businesses grow, and then and then this. Okay, I like that. That that actually helps me. Cool. That's awesome, man. Okay, so we're talking to actually talk about niching down today, which I'm usually <laughs> yelling at everybody about niching down, and then I'm over here struggling on niching down. So and and, and the reason that I'm struggling with it, Derek, is like. Well, I got this over here and I got this over here and I got this over here, which makes me not good at anything, right? That's the problem with not niching down is that you get scatterbrained and I cannot be an expert. I cannot be known as the expert at dental marketing and at business and at uh, agency stuff, right? So I, those are the three voices that I have right now. I can only be known as the expert in one of those. And then, and now I need to start niching down. And it's the same thing with businesses. When I started, I started super niche on accident, didn't have a clue what I was doing. I niched down to the point where, you know what, I'm just going to do email marketing for restaurants. So I was niche in my service, my service and my, my client avatar was kind of small. Then I started opening and I was like, oh, I can do more email marketing for other people. This works for lots of different businesses, but restaurants it worked the best for. And, and then, and then I started adding services. 
So now I was out of a niche now. And I thought, of course, this is how you scale a business, right, Derek? I'm just going to keep adding services. So now I had social media and I had SEO and I had web and I'm building this team and it's all great. And I work with all these different clients. And then I talked to my business partner. Uh, at the time, he wasn't a business partner. He was a team member. He said, Gary, we can't grow anymore because we can't all learn all these different things. There's too many things. There's too many services that we provide for too many different kinds of people. And of course, me being ADHD entrepreneur, I was like, you're crazy, man. They're like, what? we don't have a choice. Like we have to keep doing this. But I was also looking at the profitability numbers and going, we can't hire people either. So we can't hire people. We can't grow. We can't I can't grow unless I hire people and I and everybody's like spinning their wheels. It feels like everything's on fire all the time because we're always trying to learn the next new thing of the next service and the next kind of client and the car wash guy comes in and then the tire shop and then the furniture store, all totally different. And we're offering 10 different services to them and it just didn't work. So then we said, okay, we're gonna niche down to just dental. Then from there, we niche down again to only entrepreneurial dentist, then we niche down to, okay, only dentists that want to grow their groups. And so each time that we niche down, we grew substantially. And every time we had to actually take a step back to do that growth though. We had to either separate with people. I, I, I had to separate from a business partner one time. I had to split the company. I had to do multiple different things to make it happen, but every time it was the right decision. And so now, um, I, I think that's what the show is going to be about today. So I, w- I want to kind of dive into that. Yeah. Um, I mean, half the show already has been all about content. But the ironic part about it, that entire conversation, the number one takeaway for people is that you have to niche down. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. the crazy part. Uh, so if you're still with us right now, what I would tell you is is this. Niching down is tremendously important. In fact, a lot of people don't even realize. And now looking back in hindsight, I didn't realize until really kind of just now. Despite not even knowing that I really had a niche to start, I kind of did. So one thing that you taught me and opened my eyes to was you don't have to niche down on who you're serving. You can niche down on what you're offering. That blew my mind. It might seem super simple, but that blew my mind because I always thought you have to serve a very specific person, but that felt really limiting to me. In fact, Mm -hmm. for those of you who are fans of the show, you guys know my company is transitioning a little bit right now. We're struggling to grow because the market we're serving is way too small. So we're not having enough demand for what we're doing. So we're changing our offer. We're changing who we're serving. We're not changing what we're doing. We're just expanding upon who we're offering it to in a much better, much more concise way. What's your you know, thoughts around that? And how could somebody actionably figure out if they're niched properly to really grow in an effective way in their company? Yeah, so the way I have measured it, and I'm sure there's better ways to do it, but the way I've done it is, can I become an expert in this? Right, so if I said again, if you wanna be, I'm, if I said be a marketing expert, it's like, bro, what does that even mean? <laughs> Does that mean I have to know how to build websites, read analytics, run ads? Uh, does it mean I need to be a designer? Does it mean I need to write copy? Like you can't be a marketing, like I don't even, I would argue you can't even be a marketing expert, right? Like it's too broad of a term. Now if I said be a digital marketing expert, now I've narrowed it a little bit, but still really hard. But if I said be a Google AdWords expert, now it's like, okay, I could probably might be able to be a decent at that. But if I said be a Google AdWords expert for chiropractors, you might be able to learn that skill. If you have already know how to run ads, you might be able to become the best Google AdWords expert in the world in a couple of years. Yep. So 
it's picking, it's niching down until you can become the expert and really be the expert in it. And it takes a couple years to do that. And you, if, if you niche down far enough, you can eventually become the expert in something. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about as well, aside from that, that's huge, right? Being an expert is amazing because then you have more confidence in what you're selling because you know it actually works. You have more conviction. You know that what you do is, is real, right? You're not just, you know, acting as if, right? Which is huge. I know a lot of people that, that try to fake what they're offering until <laughs> yeah. they get they hit, right? Which, which don't get me wrong, right? I started this way. Like yeah. literally, I remember the day I started TikTok content for a local mechanic for like 500 bucks a month. Had no idea what I was doing. Just said yes to everything, closed in. But that got me to where I am now. So everybody has somewhere they have to start where they're not necessarily expert. But um, well, Alex Rose actually uses this framework all the time. I just heard it on a show yesterday. So about niching down, right? If you sell a time management course, okay, you could sell that for like maybe 15, 20 bucks to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. If you sell a time management course to salespeople, okay, that can be worth, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. If you sell a time management course specifically for auto sales, right? Or, you know, car salesmen, maybe you could sell that for like 500 bucks. But then his last example is like, okay, what if you go one step further? If you sell a time management course for phone reps at car dealerships, right? So specifically people doing phone calls, teaching them how to manage their time better and showing them that you will make them by them investing this 2K investment. So now you can charge 2K from $15 to 2K for the same exact product, right? Now you can show them, guys, if you just implement this and invest 2K, one extra sale a month will earn you 15K over the course of the year, right? So I mean, that's huge. That's nearly 10xing your investment. Mm-hmm. The value in that framework and the takeaway is if you niche down, the further you niche down, the more specific on who you're serving and what you're giving to that person, the higher you can charge and the more profitable you can become. Which, Potentially, as you saying, yeah, if you if you niche down in the right area. So exactly. that's why we became dental marketers instead of chiropractor marketers. I, I know how to work with mm. chiropractors. I know how to drive leads for chiropractors. The problem is, is chiropractors make a couple hundred dollars every time a patient visits, where a dentist makes upwards of a thousand dollars over over a year with a, the patient. So, and it's relatively the same cost to drive the lead for for them. Mm, mm. It's not, it, there's not a huge gap there. It's like it's way cheaper for chiropractors. It's not. It's relatively the same, or it's it's in the same ballpark. So, which one? What do I want to go to? The one that's making five x on their return, or somebody who's making two x on their return? Yep. You go focus on the people who are making 5X on the return. So the, that return on investment's huge. That means they have money to afford your services. That's huge. And I am guilty of this. This is why my company is going through the stages it's going right now. Eventually hitting a plateau where I can't find people who can afford our services. So I have to say, okay, do I find a way to lower my prices? Do I find, like, it, it's a big thing, right? If I lower my prices, I'm way less profitable. I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily running the business I want to anymore. But I guess flipping that back on you, Gary, what do people have to look out for when they're niching down? Because there's two things there. A, what you're describing, which is make sure you niche in the right area because otherwise if you go too niche to a market that can't afford your services, you might not necessarily be more profitable or be able to grow better, right? That's number one. But number two, what do you say to the entrepreneur, kind of like me, who's like, okay, but if I niche down, I'm not really running the company that I've dreamt of running. It's not really what I wanted to do. What's your reaction to that? Well, I understand that, but you what's your vision, right? Like, is it really to be, do you, like, everybody has this vision, like they want to be Apple, right? I want to be the Apple or I want to be Tesla. Well, like Alex or Mosey or even Grant Cardone or even like any of these guys that are famous online. They were really niche for a really long time. And they're popular now for their business knowledge, but they're niche. They're, they're very niche. Alex or Mosey is extremely niche in what he does. 
for the kind of businesses that he wants to work with. It's a very small percentage of the United States. Uh, Grant Cardone, super niche. And, and again, he's figured out a way to expand that. But what I always t- challenge people with is niche down to scale up. So why am I able to invest $20,000 a month in infrastructure to create all this content? It's because I niche down. If I would have stayed broad, I wouldn't even be able to create any of the content that I have now. But because I niche down, that it gave me the ability to scale up. So if you're like, I just want to scale, I want to grow this massive company. Cool. Be humble and niche down first. Hmm. That's huge. I mean, that's huge. Because I, I know a lot of people that would be like, they, they wouldn't want to niche down because they and, and I will admit I'm full transparency I was guilty of this I was you know through this transition of building a new avatar I really reflected on the current company I'm running and I said oh my god these are my dream clients but when I look at this I have to say okay but they can't afford like there's not enough of them to grow to the scale that I want to grow to I can't keep working with the same people because there's not enough of them like not that I can't keep servicing the current people I have now right mm-hmm. but I can't find enough of them more of them to, to yeah. grow my business. So I, I actually had to take a hit. With, I, I worked with somebody that told me one time, they said, Gary, I don't want to work with this anymore because it's dental and it's boring. Mm, and we were making yeah. good money at the time, but nowhere near what, what we're doing now. And I can understand that. I can totally relate to that. And, but guess what? I get to, guess what my days consist mostly of? Now it's like doing stuff that I love to do. Yep. I built that out because I niched down. And because I was disciplined and I said I could look long term, you have to be patient. You have to be able to look long term. If you're just looking now, what you're trying to build the tower just by looking at the first floor, you're gonna your tower is gonna tip over. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to grow anything. But if you can visualize the whole building and understand that this is just part of the process, and understand how each part impacts the next part and how it's going to grow and change, and you have to learn and you have to kind of go through the ringer a little bit at the lower parts then you're going to be you're going to be in a great place and you got you're setting yourself up you are setting yourself up for the person 10 years down the road right now today you're setting the table for that but you have to be humble today and say okay I'm super grateful for what I have now I understand this is what we have to do now to be able to scale up to those larger things in the future yeah there's so much more to unpack there but I mean to keep it consistent around niching down to those people who are listening who might be just starting their agency or who might want to be start, who are considering, you know, starting an agency or their business, they often hear the term like "pick your niche," right? But at least me, I struggle with this a lot. Like, what does that mean? How do you pick your niche? How do I know I'm picking the right niche? What if I get bored of it? Like putting this all together, what advice would you have for somebody who wants to get started but they are struggling to actually pick their niche? Uh, go out and just start find a problem and go so- solve it. Like, keep it that simple. So, find a business problem. Now, here's what I hear sometimes, Derek. I can't find problems in the business world. I'm like, bro, I can't help you. I literally can't help you. Go get a job. Go work somewhere. (laughs) And because, and here's why. When you go work somewhere, you'll see start to see problems. You'll say, oh, I don't like the way they do this. And I don't like the way they do that. And it's like, cool. Okay, now you found a problem. Now, can you solve that problem? Now, the the simpler the problem that you solve, the the least amount of money you're going to get paid. And the more complex the amount of problem that you solve, the more you will get paid. That's how business works. And so you need to just go find a problem, go solve it and do it for anybody. Like just go find people to go solve the problem. Once you start to learn solving that problem and what we're probably in the agency world, the biggest problem you can solve for people is getting them more new customers. That's what people want It's the easiest yeah. thing. If you go to most business owners and say, do you want more new customers? Almost everybody's going to say yes. So that's yeah. the easiest thing to sell and just say, Hey, I'm going to help you get more new customers. 
That's it. Go figure out how to do it. And then if you do it, then hammer it home. Now, this is where you, this is where the discipline comes in. You're going to get to like 10 customers. You're going to be driving results and you're going to realize four of them you're driving major results for. And the other six are like, "Mm, it's not really our niche. You have to get rid of the six and go hammer home the four and then go become the expert at that four. So now you're driving leads for those four and you really need to focus on that and just go learn that. That's where you're going to really be able to scale because now you're the expert in that niche and then you're just going to keep niching down from there and getting your service and your deliverable tighter and tighter and tighter. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. So basically you're saying instead of looking at picking a niche, pick a problem, figure out how to solve that problem, start solving it, start your business, then analyze once you actually have a few clients on your belt, who are you serving the best? Who do you that's like what working I did. for the best? Yeah. You, I mean, it makes, the, it makes the most logical sense. Who's paying you the most money? Who is your most profitable set of clients? Who are you getting the best results on? Find that balance and then hit, go all in on that specific person. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing that I that I wrote here in my notes is another reason that niching down so important is operational cost. So what most people don't realize is that your operational bandwidth, if I have a factory that makes one widget, I can streamline that factory to make that widget. If I want a a factory that makes 10 widgets, which I need 10 molds for, and I have to cross train everybody on how to make sure those 10 widgets get made, my, my, my operational cost goes through the roof and I have to slow down too. If I do 20 or 30 or 50 SKUs and it just keeps getting more and more complicated and it gets more and more costly. And this is true in every business. The clothing industry goes through the same thing. They can't come out with 100 different SKUs and 100 different sizes because what if people don't buy them? So they have to come out in one color in one in set of sizes, see how they do. Okay, this was populist. Try changing it. And there's 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 you have to keep your operational band with uh, cost low. And so uh, niching down, what that allows you to do is allows your team, not just you to be the expert, but your team to be an expert in one section of your business to create that one thing over and over and over and over again. And and then you don't need to hire quite as much and you don't have to have as, as much corporate knowledge across different verticals. Yeah, I mean, it'll cost less. It'll be more effective. You'll be more efficient. You'll be much more positioned as experts. And hey, the ironic part is the cycle repeats itself. The longer and the better you do this, the more you're going to get to charge 10 years from now, right? And you're going to be making more money because you're that much better, that much faster, that much more systemized. I mean, it's huge. Uh, overall, if, if you're not niche down, again, I know a lot of people because a lot of people are in the mastermind, right? A lot of people, they'll have an agency that's doing between 30 and 100K a month, but they're serving anybody and everybody. And they're doing web design. I mean, you were there, right? Web design, <laughs> SEO, paid ads. And they're super stressed out. Exactly. They're always they're stressed everything. out. Yep. And yep. they can't figure out their churn. They can't figure out why am I churning? And the answer for your churning is to fire people. And it's yep. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's Fire clients, right? Fire yeah. clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your answer for your churn is to fire clients. Yep. And it's like, yep. what? You want me to fire my clients? Yeah, because they're not, a, they're not a fix. They're not a fit for your company. And yep. you need to go focus on these and that will fix your churn. So and, hard. And it's so hard to do. That is hard. That's so why most people don't hard. grow past that. That's why, that's why we named the, the show Eight Figure Agency is because most people aren't going to get to eight figures because they yep. can't do that part. You can't break over that that part yep. because it's hard to give away money to get to more money. That's super hard to do. It is so difficult because a lot of people – and look, I haven't crossed that bridge yet, again, in full transparency. I think I'm a little early for that just yet. But a lot of people, 
it's like the concept of a bird in a hand. It's the risk concept. They took such a big risk starting the business, and now they're making 50K a month, 80K a month, 30K a month, 12K a month. And they, they, they have a feeling that if they cut that in half and now they started making 20K a month, had to lay off half their staff. But six months or a year from now, they could be making 150K a month. Mm-hmm. That's a big risk. It's a, a big risk, risk for anybody. It's like a, a, it's risk. a risk that's huge, huge risk. It's so I scary. Mean, it is one of the. I think it's one of the scariest things an entrepreneur can ever face. I mean, aside an event like COVID, which that was just crazy. But like you know, it's one of the scariest things. Period. What advice do you have for somebody who's facing it? Like, well, for me, our company why is always grow, mm-hmm. always grow. So we're always gonna. I'm always gonna be on the side of growth. So if I have to do something really, really hard for a year, or cut my salary, or do anything, and that's what's necessary to grow, every single time I've done it, and every single time. We, it's paid out in the long run. Like there's been times we were yep. wrong, obviously, and we had to go back to the drawing board. But in the big scheme of things, it's always worked. And yes, the, the chart mostly goes like this. Yes, there's some of this, and then up again, and then down, and then. But um, yeah, I, I'm, it's just what your what you want to build, right? For me, I am going to keep growing. I am going yep. to keep growing, and I'm going to keep expanding. I'm going to keep learning. And whatever that means, then that's what I'm going to keep doing. Because otherwise, Derek, what else am I going to do? I could right now, <laughs> I have this conversation a lot. I could right now go play video. I used to play tons of video games when I was a kid. I could right now go play eight hours, 10 hours of video games a day. Chill, do like whatever other thing I, you know, work out, chill on the beach. I could literally do that today. I could set up my whole schedule to do that. I don't want to do that. I love this business stuff. I love growing this agency. I love seeing our team grow. I love seeing our team help our clients grow. I love all of that. And what else am I going to do? I don't want, there's nothing else I would rather do in the day for eight hours a day. Uh, I've tried lots of other things. I've tried everything. I actually had somebody yesterday ask me, they were like, what's your hobbies? It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> same here. I, I never answered that question. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I, I read books while I work out <laughs> and they're wow. like, and, and I'm like, I walk while I work and they're like, no, those aren't hobbies. That's like you optimizing your time. Right. And I'm, I'm like, well, yeah. Okay. Right now I finally told him what I said, I ride, I've been, I got some e-bikes and I ride those with my kids. But then when I realized Derek, anything that I do in my spare time outside of work, I'm always doing it with other people because they like doing it. It's not because I love doing it. If it was what I love to do, I would just work all day. This is so true. Like this is <laughs> I, lit, Gary. I just filled out the form your team sent me for Age of Growth Engine interview that's coming up. I think in October for us. <laughs> there was a question that said, "What are your hobbies?" My literal answer was working out and spending time with family. Like exactly like you just said. But working out, it's not really a hobby. And you know, every time <laughs> I do stuff other than working, I'm really doing it because other people enjoy it. Now, I might yeah. do I not like it? No, no I, of I enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing. No, I get it. But I'm really doing it because it brings them joy, and I have fun because they're having fun. It's like that type of thing. It's why I love going to dinner with my family and friends. Like I love taking people to get food. One of my favorite things in the world. If I could do that, I would do that all day. But like that's that to me so funny. is awesome. That's, that's what my thing too is like, cool, I'll pay for dinner. It's like that's I love I going to dinner. The, my parents get so mad. My parent, They get so mad because like I'll just come. It's like a Tuesday. I'm like, guys, let's go get dinner. They're like, absolutely not. I'm like, like come on. like I'll get, Let's go get dinner. Nope, no way. We have food at home. No way. We don't want you paying. I'm like, please, I've been working so hard. Let me take you to dinner. And <laughs> They make it so difficult. But it's the most rewarding thing. I love doing it so much, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think that's a, I think that's a gem right there because 
it's 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 okay to have work be your hobby and what you love to do and what you want to build you do have to go out and interact with other human beings and it's okay to do what they want to do because you want to spend time with those people because you care about them that's fine there's nothing wrong with that some people think i'm a psycho and and but you you're sitting here going wait i'm wired the same exact way so there is something to it right there's something there's there's something to this entrepreneurial journey yeah, and you know, real quick on that, because I know that 14-year-old me would be asking this question if I was listening to this right now. Um, I don't think, Gary, I don't think you're saying this either, but I know for certain I'm not saying this. I prefer to work, right? But what I'm actually doing isn't necessarily like, it changes day to day. We actually spoke about this in the last episode we filmed, which I think literally dropped today, episode 14, or 15 rather. Um, it's not, when we say work all day, and this is super true for me, I'm not necessarily eight hours or 25 hours straight hustle, 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 doing the same thing over and over again. I'm doing it in like, I sit down 7 a.m. I'll be working till noon. I'll take a break till two. I'll get back on. But during that break, I'm still thinking about work. Like I might be eating lunch, but I'm still processing about work. I'm still doing stuff. Again, this is super true for me. I'd love to know what it's like for you. But that's, that's something that really hit me hard when I was younger, like those Gary Vee type stuff, when they'd just be like, hustle, hustle, hustle. And I always said, like, if that's how it is, I don't want it. Yeah. Honestly, I don't want it. I want to do it that I want to work because I enjoy working. So when I sit down at my desk in the morning, I want to actually sit here and enjoy what I'm about to do. Yeah. And, at, and it's hard. At first, it's not going to be that way. There's no. a lot you have to do every day that you're not going to enjoy. And there's still to this well, day it depends. It depends. It depends how you view it. Because at the mm. beginning, I viewed it through the lens of learning. So I, I was like, I'm learning this thing. I'm learning this skill. I'm going to master this skill. I want to get really good at this thing. And as long as I was before me, it wasn't like I was working. And I was never really good at school either. Like I'm not good at like traditional put putting you talking to me and me learning things. I'm good at, hey, this little niche weird thing or whatever, this little widget thing or you know, running ads, something like that. Go learn that and learn it over here and be be really good at it and like learn it in ways that other people maybe didn't build the machine to work that way. That's what I'm good at. And so I'm good at reimagining how that machine should work and and then delivering it to that person so it works for them in a different way for them. I'm and, and I'm I'm actually really good at making my life that way as well. Even if things aren't going the way that I necessarily want them, outputting my life in a way that I get to live the way that I want to live and around the, and, and still have all my responsibilities met and be an upstanding citizen and all that kind of stuff, right? Like making sure those all work together. I will say this is that you can build the life that you want to build. If your life is just full of drama and full of nonsense and full, which my life was like that for a long time, it's because that's the life you created. Now you may, might've created it on accident unintentionally. Right. And that's what I did. I, I wasn't trying to have that kind of life. It was just, I wasn't paying attention. I was letting life live me, right. Rather than me living life. Now I'm very intentional. And I was actually on a trip with somebody recently and they were like, one thing about you is that everything you do is intentional. All the words that you say are intentional. All the meetings that you have are intentional. All the places you go, everything you do is very intentional. Nothing's by accident. And it's true. I, I'm doing exactly what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And I love doing it because I've crafted it, but that comes intentional uh, by being intentional. So if I was younger, if I was 18 and I was going to go talk to my 18 year old self again, or even 16 year old self is cool. That sounds like fun right now, but what's the long-term cost of that? Mm. And then what do you think your, your 
20-year-old self or your 25-year-old self would be really appreciative of if you started focusing on right now. So not focusing on the short-term pleasure focus and, and actually disregarding short-term pleasure and looking for the long-term benefit. I'm guilty of that. Guilty of that. Sometimes to my detriment, it feels like, but I am definitely guilty of that. It got me to where I am today. Gary, on a lighter note, as we before we transition, you know, do our usual call to actions. Random question. What do you like splurging on? Splurging on? Yeah, like spending a lot of money on. So I have a, I always buy like the newest Tesla. Hmm. And but that comp- like it's a company. Exp- I mean, it's a it's a write off. And yeah, so of course, um, I bought a pool for my kids. My backyard didn't have a pool, and I'm in Southern California, and I've always lived in a house with a pool. And this house didn't have a pool, so I bought a pool. Um, but that's not even for me. I'll probably use it maybe once a year. Um, <laughs> but it makes me happy to to do that. Um, that's it. I, I I mean I don't I don't like spend money like that. Um, so. Like yesterday I was talking to somebody and they're like, did you get the new iPhone? And I was like, no, <laughs> why not? Well, because um, I, d- I looked at all the features on it and stuff and I just didn't want to spend the extra money on it. Like my phone is fine. And it, uh, and he started laughing at me. He's like, are you on like, you don't have a budget to like buy upgrade your iPhone. You don't even have to pay for the whole thing. Like you can just, you know, it's like paid a couple hundred bucks. And, it, yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, I just don't. I didn't see the benefit. Like I didn't, and he started walking me through, no, you'll like it because of this faster and this and this, this and this. And I was like, okay. And then I, and I buy eBooks. I buy a lot of eBooks. So like today I bought two eBooks, um, personally. Oh, and then I like, but see again, I, I do stuff for other people. That's what I splurge on is doing stuff for, so I'll take my kids to like a football game or something like that. Um, I don't, uh, spend money on myself really i don't i don't have i have everything that i need and i don't really i don't like buying podcast stuff <laughs> would be something like i splurged on you know what i mean that's uh i mean drastically different levels but uh, i honestly have the same exact answer i only splurge on stuff when i'm doing with other people like i'd be like let's go take a random trip upstate in florida mm-hmm. and like i, I want let me book the hotel like, let's do that that to me, that's my splurge, but I really don't spend any money except business expenses at all. <laughs> like at all. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I um, would say I buy comfortable clothes. Well, that's I don't, I don't, I don't buy like designer clothes. Like I don't, I'm just, that just doesn't make sense to me why I would spend money on that kind of stuff, but I buy comfortable clothes. So now I'm at that age where I'm like, cool, I'll buy those $120 Lululemon pants because they're super comfortable and I'll yep. buy three pairs of them. And so yep. that's something that, that I splurge in, but I, I look at it more as functionality. Like I want them because they're comfortable and I'm working in them all the time and I'm walking on my treadmill. So I had a saying come up just in day-to-day life. A friend of mine reminded me of it. He said, we're not rich enough to buy cheap stuff. So that was, that was a saying that I came across and it applies here. You know, you make that investment in 120 pair of Lululemons. Those will last you 50 years. My, my, my parents, they've got jeans that they had from when they were my age. They've lasted like 30 years. <laughs> they so still wear them every day. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, with that said, this was a value packed episode. It feels like honestly two episodes in one started talking about the content, but I think it was really good. I hope I can provide you some value there, Gary. You provide me so much oh, value on this show. It was huge. We'll talk more. I think I have some more I could share with you on that. But uh, niching down, it's important. Do it, please. How you niche down, we explained it. Niche down on what you're doing or who you're doing it for, and then you could grow. If you don't yet have your agency, start your agency by figuring out what problem you're going to solve. Go solve that problem for anybody you can. Collect the money. Get the money first, and then figure out who you're serving the best 
who's making you the most money and who you're getting the best results for. Niche down by doing it for them. With that said, guys, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this show. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, turn on the notification bell. We upload new videos every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Every Wednesday is a new podcast episode. Lots of clips. If you guys want to see some clips from us and some exclusive content, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, maybe even LinkedIn soon. We are literally everywhere. Go check us out. Eight Figure Agency Show at Eight Figure Agency Show. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening and watching, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Later. Peace.